For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yo, what up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, for another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. Have very special guests this evening. Joining me is the Commish crew. Chris and Eric of the Commish FFP will be joining in just a little bit. You can find them on all avenues, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. They also have their own podcast, Commish FFP. Go check them out, good friends of the show. Before we get into the episode today, I just want to give thanks to everybody tuning in here. This is episode 389. We're only 10 away after this from 400. We have something special planned for you, and I'm very, very excited for that. If you haven't yet, please make sure to give us a subscribe right here on YouTube. Jump in the comments section. We will get to as many comments and questions live on air as possible. And make sure to also give us a rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcast. Follow on social medias as well, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you know what to do. I appreciate it. Episode 400 coming up here quite quickly. Very excited about this. Today, we're going to be breaking down the rookie rundowns for the AFC East and the AFC West. And to do that, I'm very excited to bring in our AFC East family. So without any further ado, we'll bring in the Kamish boys. I want to welcome back to the program once again, Chris and Eric from the Kamish Fantasy Football Podcast. Boys, how are you? feeling it's really great to have you back on the program thanks man yeah feeling pretty good Derek. how you doing you're on mute big guy got you on mute brother <laughs> sorry i'm just i'm just prepping for when i get all worked up so i gotta be yeah. <laughs> good to have you boys back thank you for coming in this is uh we have one more division to get into which i'll handle on the next episode we're actually going to have another member of the commish family jumping on on the next episode, RJ of the Dynasty side of you guys uh, will be jumping on to handle the AFC South. He is a Colts fan, and I wanted to kind of give him that division to break it down. And then he and I are also going to spend some time looking at the Dynasty speculations of the NFL draft and what we can look forward to in a bunch of these rookie situations. But you guys, of course, are the House Patriots fans, and I wanted to let you jump in on the AFC East. Um, there's no surprise that I'm a big Justin Herbert fan myself, as you can see behind me. So I wanted to tackle the AFC West before we get into it, guys. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick, like off season so far, it's, it's only may of course, but what are maybe just one storyline or one thing that you guys are either surprised about looking forward to is there one particular rookie throughout all of camp so far? I know it's only been a week or so, but any storyline or somebody really popping off for you so far? Maybe you've been through a dynasty draft already. You were excited to get value on somebody. Um, obviously, there's the main headlines, the the Rodgers and the Watson and all that. But I want to stay away from that for this episode. Anything other than that stuff that you've been excited for so far following the NFL draft over the last couple of weeks? Chris, we can start with you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I'll stay, I'll stay in our, our hometown here. Uh, New England, obviously, there's a potential quarterback controversy going on um so i think that's going to be an interesting situation to see play out i've seen everything from mac jones is going to be starting week one to you know mac jones coming out and saying this is cam's team effectively and you know he's just here to support so it's going to be very interesting to see how this is going to play out i also find it interesting that the pats just signed we'll talk about this you know when we talk about the patriots but the pats just signed brian hoyer for a one-year deal which means i think Jared Stidham's out so um, yeah, the quarterback room is getting a little crowded, so it'll be interesting to uh, to see how that all all works this offseason. Absolutely. And first controversy at the quarterback position in New England for 
what I'm going to say probably the mid nineties, right? I mean, once Bl- yeah. Bledsoe was there, it was his team. And then of course there wasn't a controversy with Brady. Brady came in because of an injury and then he held off Bledsoe and the rest is history. But the Patriots haven't actually been like battling for the quarterback position unless you c- count last year. Um, but it was pretty much uh cam there. So it'll be very interesting. First time in about 25, 30 years there in New England. That'll be interesting. Eric, how about you, man? Any uh, interesting off season storyline so far? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest ones that I was surprised about was the fact that Miami didn't address the running back position in the draft, and everybody who was sitting on Miles Gaskin shares was pretty much rejoicing uh, when Miami pretty much you know just didn't address the position at all, even in, in free agency. Uh, I don't know how long he'll last as their RB1, but anybody who did uh, hold on him, uh, it definitely paid off. Absolutely. And and uh, I don't know that he's going to last through through the offseason as well. I mean, you know, guys are going to get cut. I mean, the 49ers have like seven running backs. Two or three of them at least are going to get cut. And any of those guys, Wayne Gallman, even maybe it's Raheem Mostert just with the age. Maybe it's Michael Hasty, who's kind of, you know, loose in the, the totem pole with two rookies coming in. Uh, that guy, you know, that guy could end up in Atlanta or Miami. Um of course, there's a new picture of Mike Davis coming out looking like the Hulk. You know, we get one of those every single season. But uh, Gaskin, you know, let's not forget. I mean, he's a, you know, sixth, seventh rounders with him and Savon Ahmed out of Washington. So good players, but not draft capital and certainly not with the coaching uh, staff. So worried about those guys long term. But, yes, in Dynasty, you can at least breathe for a little bit. So that will be will be interesting. But I'm not sure that Miles Gaskin or Mike Davis uh, survive all the way through draft season. I just don't see that happening. But uh, as of right now, you're good. To be honest, if it's me and I have Mike Davis or I have Miles Gaskin, I'm looking to trade either one of them straight up. I mean, second rounders minimum. If you can get somehow first round capital or flip it for a younger veteran, um, somebody that you believe in long term or maybe up and coming wide receiver that like a Jerry Judy or somebody that didn't splash last year but could have long term potential. Um, I'm absolutely making that move versus counting my blessings that I was able to fall into those guys because I I really just don't see it happening. And even if it does, there probably will be some sort of a committee long term. All right, boys, let's jump into this here. I'm going to kick it off with the AFC West, and I just start alphabetically here. We've been doing this for the last couple episodes. Bobby and I were breaking down a handful of them, and I'm going to start here with the Broncos. Again, we're only talking about the fantasy-relevant rookies that came in. Of course, there's been a number of offseason moves for various teams. We'll kind of, you know, wind those in as we as we can. And there's some big time question marks. Of course, we talk about the Broncos right now. Everybody, you know, is potentially thinking that maybe Aaron Rodgers ends up there. We're a long way from that, so I'm not really going to put that into my analysis today. But we'll start here in the second round, third pick in the second round, Javante Williams out of North Carolina, running back. They also take Seth Williams out of Auburn, a wide receiver, 35th pick in the sixth round. Seth Williams is very easy. He's a burner, nearly 4-2 speed. Um, he's going to add some depth. Cortland Sutton's coming back this year, which is going to be great. Lost last year, of course. Jerry Judy actually played quite well, even though he had a case of the rookie drops. But let's not forget, Amari Cooper was horrendous his rookie year, according to the hype that he had coming in as a first-round pick. And we've seen him have an, an incredible career uh, later, even with still some drops. So Jerry Judy should be just fine. Tim Patrick is there as well. But Seth Williams adds depth to open up. Um, the underneath for the tight ends, potentially Judy over the middle or the run game there with Javante Williams. Now, Javante Williams comes in as a early second-round pick, almost a basically a late first-round pick, essentially, by uh, three picks. Great duo uh, with him and Michael Carter in North Carolina last year. Ran for 500 yards on Miami. He was a track star, valedictorian. Javante Williams is absolutely the truth. Comes in with – he's a big-bodied running back but he's very elusive. You don't see that very often um, with big body running backs, but he's able to get it done. Melvin Gordon sits in front of him now, but Melvin Gordon is aging. Um, He was nicked up last year. He's been nicked up basically his entire career for two or three games. And we have seen over his career when Melvin Gordon goes down, that running back behind him has made the most of it. Austin Eckler a few times with the Chargers, Phillip Lindsay last year. My boy Royce Freeman, unfortunately, wasn't able to get a chance, but Javante Williams, He's a great pick right now in redraft and in dynasty, of course. Even if you have to sit on him this year and Melvin Gordon gives you 10 to 14 games, I think Javante Williams is the truth. I think Melvin Gordon's is gone next year. They got rid of Philip Lindsay already. Um, they bring in uh, Mike Boone, who 
I think is a nice talent out of Minnesota, but he was third on the depth chart there for a couple of years as well, even when um, Dalvin Cook went down and uh, didn't really get the opportunity. So outside of one quality game a couple of years ago, Mike Boone hasn't done too much. So Javante Williams and Seth Williams, both I think good pickups. Seth Williams is a six-round draft pick, so I wouldn't expect too much from him long-term, or immediately I should say, but Javante Williams is going to be an immediate pick. Uh, curious, guys, where you were thinking in redraft – um, where you might look at Javante Williams in dynasty rookie drafts. Of course, he's a top three to five pick, depending on your things. Uh, but in redraft, where might you think uh, you look to take Javante Williams? If you think last year, some of those rookies, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, uh, DeAndre Swift, those guys were going in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, depending on how you felt about them. Are you that confident in Javante Williams already knowing that he's definitely going to be the backup coming into the season? Chris, we'll start with you. I want to be confident. I'm not there yet. Uh, I haven't done too much analysis on the North Carolina uh, schedule and <clears throat> Javonta Williams, I would say, effectiveness against defenses. I, I'm not quite sure how that division plays out. I think that the landing spot's really good for Javonta Williams. Obviously, um, <clears throat> you know, as the RB2 on that team, I'm not exactly sure how Denver's offense is going to look with Drew Locke or potentially Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. And I think that's going to ultimately impact how they use the running game. So last year, I think that they were somewhere like in the middle of the pack against um, defenses with, with respect to like their rushing attack in general, I think they're like 13th in rushing attempts and maybe like somewhere in the middle uh, with rushing yards overall. Um, They're not like, I don't see them as being a a threat in the run game. So I don't know if they're going to ease Javante Williams into the mix or if they're going to lean heavily on, their rushing attack, um, knowing that they do have Cortland Sutton back uh, with Noah Fan and Jerry Judy. So my guess is, you know, in order to keep up with the teams that are in the AFC West, they're probably gonna have to throw the ball a lot more than they're used to. And that's Melvin Gordon territory, as far as I'm concerned, in the passing game. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little hesitant right now in Javonta Williams. I know that there are other people that are way higher than, than I am right now. Yeah, they're about middle of the pack last year. I just looked it up, 437 rush attempts. Yeah, I was actually just ahead of the 49ers and right behind the Packers there. So middle of the road, about uh, 4.3 yards per carry, about 120 yards per game. Um, But again, they didn't have their star wide receiver to stretch the field. Defense was beat up as well. They were losing a lot of those games, so they weren't able to have game script. Their defense has improved tremendously, which I think will help. Their offensive line's gotten a little bit better. And bringing in Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think it's going to – bring them past the Chargers or the Chiefs, but I think it is going to keep them competitive uh, for hopefully better game scripts. Uh, Eric, any thoughts here on the Broncos? Yeah, so I want to I want to preface it with the fact that I did have Williams as my RB2 even before the NFL draft. I did have him ranked in front of ETN. Wow. And I saw a lot of people that did have him as the RB1, but it was dependent on, on where that landing spot was. Now, obviously, the last collab that we did, uh, we talked about Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh even before they drafted him. And obviously we were all very excited about that. And then he ended up, you know, he did go to Pittsburgh. Um, so I do have Najee as my rookie RB1. Um, right now I'd have to say ETN's probably my RB2. And then Williams, just because of the landing spot, I bumped him down to RB3. But you'd mentioned that Melvin Gordon was the age and he's 28 years old. But while he was on the field last year, he was still moderately effective. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry. So I don't think he's completely washed yet. As far as redraft, I'm not too comfortable investing a high pick into Williams because I don't think Gordon's gone gone just yet. In Dynasty, I'm perfectly fine investing, you know, uh, I think he's probably going around the 107-ish mark in rookie drafts. That's perfectly fine with me. But in redraft, I'm not banking on any, you know, immediate production from him. If Gordon goes down, I think he has a chance. But to Chris's point, uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke at the helm doesn't really get me, you know, overly excited about about any of the you know the, the offensive players on that team. Yeah, fair enough. And of course, we will revisit all this if if Rod ends up leaving Green Bay, which I just don't think he does. Uh, but if he does, it sounds like the Broncos make the most sense. I've been trying to uh, keep the receipts just in case that I think the Washington Football Team is actually a better spot for him to go. Um, but I don't think they're going to keep him in the NFC if they get rid of him. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, that's the Broncos. Let's move on to the Chiefs here. They do not pick a uh, skill player until the fifth round. They get Noah Gray out of Duke at the tight end and Coral Powell out of Clemson in the fifth round. Look, we know what the Chiefs are. I love these picks, though, for long term. Like 
two or three years from now, if these guys stay healthy and they develop under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and they stay in this offense here, Noah Gray, nobody's Travis Kelsey. So, you know, don't hear what I'm not saying. But if Travis Kelsey were to go down, I think Noah Gray would be a an adequate fill here. He basically broke all the Duke tight end records, which we know Duke is not exactly a football powerhouse. Nonetheless, uh, big wing, wingspan, a move tight end, a similar skills to Travis Kelsey. And look, Travis Kelsey coming out of Cincinnati was not somebody that fantasy people were excited about. Nobody knew about him. Nobody cared about him. He wasn't Travis Kelsey till two, three years into his career, which we see all the time with tight ends. George Kittle was another one. So Noah Gray is a dynasty stash strictly. However, I do think he's a final pick at like the 18th, 19th, 20th round. You could do worse. And I think you have a rare tight end handcuff in that offense that you know feeds that position. So just throwing that name out there, Noah Gray out of Duke in the fifth round. Cornell Powell is another kind of a deep wide receiver. We know about these guys. Everybody knows about Tyreek Hill. Everybody wants Michael Hardman to be that guy. We hear, you know, Byron Pringle sounds like somebody in the Kansas City locker room that they really like, and they're talking up from the inside, which is great. My guy, Demarcus Robinson, is is not really sexy, but he's always kind of that, like, Marvin Jones-esque guy that when he needs to be called on, Mahomes targets him for, like, eight red zone targets a year. Unfortunately, he catches about three of them. but again, these are two deeper dynasty stashes. Not much changes here for the Chiefs. Um, they just kind of reloading it going here. So not a lot with these rookies, but any quick thoughts on the Chiefs uh, in general? Either way, go ahead. Good, Eric. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel like every time uh, you know Casey uh, has a has a decent backup. I think we saw the same thing with McCole Hardman. Everybody wants him to be Tyreek Hill, you know, the next Tyreek Hill. If Hill ever gets hurt, Hardman's going to step right in. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's not the case with Gray, but honestly, I think if you put me in a tight end on that team, I'd be pretty decent. So right. I'm not opposed to stashing any tight end behind Travis Kelsey. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Chris? I, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So I think this is one of these interesting uh, conversations where, you know, is it, you know, is it Travis Kelsey being a good tight end or is it the situation? just, you know, loving the tight end position and can a tight end just kind of plug and play and put up productivity similarly to the way Travis Kelsey has been. Obviously, you know, we're not expecting any tight end, you know, one overall numbers um, from, from gray, but you never know. Like he he has a very, you know, similar stature as a six, four, two, four. He's a big guy. Uh, If he can route run and can block, guess what? I mean, you might have, you know, a top five tight end in your hands a couple of years. Exactly. And often at the tight end position, you're looking to kind of stash guys anyway, especially late. And why not take a guy? I mean, look, Travis Kelsey, the tight end position, he could play another five years and be totally fine. Um, will he play at this level another five years? Who's Tony Gonzalez? I've been hearing a lot of great stats, which I'm going to kind of compile when we get into team breakdowns later in the summer. But I've been hearing a lot about like what Travis Kelsey has done so far in his career is absolutely fantastic. 31 years old, he, dude's a beast. But then you... <laughs> Then you hear about Tony Gonzalez's career and Tony Gonzalez from 31 to like 38 when he retired was Travis Kelsey. Also, I mean, just so dominant. So at the tight end position, if he can stay healthy and he's a pass catcher, he can stay this dominant for a long time. It's all about the health. But again, just to mention a couple of names for the chiefs, uh, Noah Gray might be somebody to stash a little bit deeper. Okay. Also, uh, I'll mention that early on, about a month ago, everybody was terribly uh, worried about the Chiefs' um, offensive line that uh, the Buccaneers absolutely made a joke of in the Super Bowl, but they have rinsed that out. They have quietly rebuilt arguably a better offensive line than last year, so the Chiefs will be just fine. CEH gets a bump. Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey remain who they are, and I do believe that the Chiefs will just be right back at it. They had a glitch in the system on the wrong day, unfortunately, for them on Super Bowl Sunday, but they have rectified that quickly, and I think they'll be just fine moving forward. All right, let's move into the Chargers, then I'll get into the Raiders here. I want to give a shout out to my to my man Rashawn Slater. So not a fantasy relevant name, but when you pick up uh, the second graded offensive tackle and arguably the first, if you're not a Panay Sewell guy out of Oregon who opted out last year, um, you might have had Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern, uh, the offensive tackle as your number one offensive tackle. If that's the case, the Chargers got an absolute steal here at number thirteen to help out Justin Herbert. That is massive there. 
Going down the list here, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, the wide receiver, and then Trey McKitty out of Georgia, both in the third round. Josh Palmer is basically Mike Williams' uh, replacement. I love Mike Williams. When he came in out of Clemson, I was super pumped on him. I've drafted him probably every single season, at least on one team, just in case. And for the four games that he plays, the dude's a monster. But he can't stay healthy. He just can't stay healthy. Um, it would be great if every six four, you know, two hundred pound wide receiver like, uh, you know, like some of these old school guys that we used to have um, would produce that way and stay healthy, like a Brandon Marshall or something. But unfortunately, Mike Williams hasn't been able to. So keep an eye on Josh Palmer again, another deep dynasty name, and then Trey McKitty. I think he's going to be an awesome. Maybe not this year, but next year they. Um, got rid of Hunter Henry and he goes to your new England Patriots and they bring in Jared cook who is fine. And he's had a great career. He's been really valuable for fantasy for a long time, but he is well past 30 as well at the uh, twilight of his career. So Trey McKitty might have a good opportunity here to sit for a year spot play. If, if, um, Cook gets hurt and then pop into a great opportunity. The chargers overall like the tight end position, uh, the new coaching staff out of uh, Philadelphia and and uh, Indianapolis like the tight end position and Justin Herbert dating back his days here in Eugene at the University of Oregon also likes the tight end position. So keep an eye there. Final name in the sixth round, Larry Roundtree out of Missouri, big body receiver or running back of a um, CJ Anderson, if you will. Uh, look, nobody's doing anything as long as Austin Eckler is healthy, but if Eckler goes down, there's a lot of other guys there. And we saw last year, Joshua Kelly, rookie out of UCLA just couldn't quite cut the mustard um, and, and Justin Jackson couldn't stay healthy. So Larry Roundtree could have an opportunity here, another deep dynasty stash. Any thoughts on the chargers here? Chris, we'll start with you. Yeah, this feels like a season that the chargers are going to have to uh, start defining who they are as a team. So I love the fact that they know that they had to obviously protect Justin Herbert. Like this isn't like a secret and they go out and get like a house in, in Rashawn Slater. This dude's like a, you know, he's like the mountain monster, dude. He does, he's just a big boy. And I'm super happy that they actually got, cause I, I think the thing is, is like, you know, unfortunately we were, you know, we we're watching, you know, Joe Burrow go down with an ACL injury and you can contribute that to likely, you know, weak offensive line. It's like, we want to see these you know young kids have protection and be able to enjoy a full career uh, that is, you know, as injury free as possible. So guys like Slater are going to make sure that that happens. So super pumped. It's going to, I think it's going to open up the entire offense. They're a North South team anyways. Um, and they're going to make some pretty big uh, problems for the AFC West. Uh, from what I can see, they're su- you know still super young. I would say like Josh Palmer, for example, I think that like, I mean, Eric, I'd be curious to, to, to get your opinion on this because you're the you're the Keenan Allen guy in our group here. But uh, they have a young receiving core. Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton last year did a pretty good job filling in when Keenan Allen said on Thursday Night Football that he was in a play and then he didn't play. So, yeah, I think that guys like Josh Palmer are going to have their opportunities this year. Yeah, so I'm actually I'm glad you brought up Mike Williams because this offseason I've been looking for like cheap guys to buy that I can slide into my flex box and some of my deeper uh, dynasty leagues. And Mike Williams is actually one of the guys I was kind of targeting. And I, I wasn't paying much, but I was sending out maybe like late seconds for him to see if anybody would bite. He did have in the last two two of the last three seasons, he did have either a thousand yards or ten touchdowns. And with Hunter Henry going, I know they replaced him with Jared Cook, but I don't think Jared Cook's nearly as good as Hunter Henry was. So. Uh, I put a little bit more faith in Mike Evans this off uh, Mike Evans Mike Williams this offseason. Josh Palmer again they they do have Mike Williams they do have Keenan Allen but again you have to look at Austin Eckler who's pretty much their wide receiver two at this point or I, if you want to call him the wide receiver three so even though he is the running back he is probably one of the better pass catchers on the team Palmer might have a chance uh, to cut out a role especially with the divi- uh, the division they're in. They go up against the Chiefs. They go up against Denver, who's not great, but they do have some uh, firepower on offense. Uh, Oakland's pretty good on uh, – I should say Las Vegas now. They're pretty good on uh, offense. So I do think Herbert is going to have to pass the ball a ton. He did last year. Uh, So there should be volume to go around. Again, in redraft, I don't know if I'm going to take a high chance on Palmer, but in Dynasty, he's absolutely worth the stash. Absolutely. And and so many of these names we're talking about here, unless they're – you know, first, second, maybe third round capital, like they're not going to be redraft names. 
um, their dynasty names, but it's important to bring them up because look, injuries happen, man. If one of these top guys go down, you need to know who's next in line because sometimes rookies get an opportunity out of necessity and it's up to them to, to make or break it at that point. Oh, it'll be very interesting. Chris, you mentioned Jalen Guyton. I love Jalen Guyton. Um, I watched a lot of chargers. You guys know I live down the street from Watson Stadium here. I watched Justin Herbert in high school, and I'm just a big fan of, of the kid in general. So I watched as much Chargers as possible. And Jalen Guyton, man, quietly is that like yeah, deep threat good. opportunity. And and Herbert, Herbert can throw a rope at about 65 yards. So they have that deep threat. And if Mike Williams maybe turns into more of like an AJ Green. So he's like kind of the <clears throat> 10 to 15 yard range, Keenan Allen's Keenan Allen, and you get those other guys over the top. I think that might be a better scheme for the Chargers than counting on Mike Williams. So that should be better for everybody. And having Rashawn Slater there obviously will increase them. Okay, let's move on to the Raiders here, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, the, Ra- the Raiders literally did not draft a skill player. That's right, folks. <laughs> this team is going to be last in the division. Um Seven draft picks total, zero on offense. Uh, excuse me. They had Alex Leatherwood, which was a reach at 17. Then they had a safety, linebacker, safety, safety, cornerback, and center. Yes, you heard me correctly. They drafted three safeties in seven picks. Mike Mayock, who is supposed to be the guru of the NFL draft, uh, still has yet to prove anything to me in three years, but we shall see. So I'm not going to talk about any of the Raiders' draft picks. So let me turn really quick here and let's talk about maybe a contentious topic, which is that backfield in Las Vegas. So we have Josh Jacobs, who we all know and love, and maybe not so much because I believe one of you uh, uh, yells at him on your intro, if I remember correctly, Uh, Eric, (laughs) which I absolutely love. Um, So Josh Jacobs right now has an ADP currently, and look, it's May. This is all going to shake out by August, so it's very early. Currently, he's going off as the RB15 in the back of pretty much the last pick of the second round, first pick of the third round. That's Josh Jacobs in full PPR. All the way down in the seventh round is Kenyon Drake going as the RB31 in about the early seventh round. So I ask both of you, if you were going to draft either one of these Raiders running backs, which one do you want? Are you going to take Josh Jacobs, who we have seen when healthy, is quite effective, but he's also let you down quite a bit going in the second, third round, or are you looking to just take a flyer and hope to get upside value with Kenyon Drake as your RB four, probably at that point in the seventh round, Eric, I'll start with you. Cause I know that you and uh, Josh Jacobs have beef. You know, I, I hate to say it, but it might be karma. I mean, he might've had it coming to him. That's what you get for saying you don't care about fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> But realistically, I see Kenny Drake as probably more of the uh, – he's probably one of the, just the better handcuffs in the league to own now. So you, you got the the Kareem Hunts. You got like I, – I put out a tweet the other day about Gus Edwards, uh, Tony Pollard, Madison. But Drake might have standalone value. He might be a guy that you could flex in uh, if you're really desperate on some weeks with, with buys or injuries. Uh, I'm still going to draft Josh Jacobs. I don't have a choice. I own him in like five leagues, so I have to like him. I don't know if it's my bias talking, if I'm trying to convince myself or you guys. Yeah. I'm not sure. But I do think they brought him in more so for the fact that Jacobs has always been kind of banged up. As the season goes on, he does start to wear down. So I do think it's more of an insurance policy. They're trying to keep Jacobs fresh, especially now that the season got extended. We'll probably see more teams doing this, having more depth at the running back position just to keep these guys healthy. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he had this concern uh, even dating back to college. He kind of got nicked up a lot. So I'm not overly worried about Kenyon Drake. I think I, and I'm pretty sure the offense even said they're going to try to line him up at wide receiver. I don't know how that's going to work out, but as long as he's not in the backfield with Jacobs, I like that news. Chris? Yeah, I was just uh, I was actually just checking out Fantasy Pros guy uh, while you were talking. They actually have him ranked here, Josh Jacobs, as running back 21. Yikes. So he, they have him just behind Chris Carson. So, and then right, right in front of miles Gaskin. So if this is where he's being drafted, I actually don't mind that. Um, assuming that, you know, I could probably get, you know, especially in super flex leagues, you know, uh, a good tier quarterback, potentially, you know, a running back one, and then maybe Josh Jacobs as my running back two and round three. That's, that's not so bad. Like I think if his ADP sticks around that area, I think that that'll be worth it. Uh, there are running backs where you're going to reach for um, 
productivity and you're going to reach you know, reach for them in the draft. That was Jacobs last year. Uh, that was a lot of running backs last year. So um, I think he's about where he wants or, or should be. If he starts moving up in ADP, um, I'm not going to touch him. Okay, uh, let's do rapid fire and we'll end out the AFC West. I'm going to give you a player or Josh Jacobs. Uh, redraft, full PPR, Chris answer first, Eric answer second, X player or Josh Jacobs. Let's go with James Robinson. I'll take James Robinson. Jacobs. DeAndre Swift. Uh, Swift. Swift. Antonio Gibson. 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 Mixon. Jacobs. <laughs> Do I have to answer? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I guess Mixon. You know I'm mixing all day long. A <laughs> uh, couple more couple more here. J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins. Yeah, I'll go Dobbins. CEH. Oh, I love CEH. Okay. Bounce back. Bounce, I'm bounce feeling back here. Yeah. yeah, I guess CEH. I'm feeling it too. Two more. Miles Sanders. <laughs> Jacobs. I'll go Sanders. And David Montgomery. Ah, uh, uh, at ADP, I'll go Montgomery. I'll stick with Jacobs. Wow. And I'm going to do one more just because Fantasy yeah. Pros is actually lower on them. They have them back-to-back. I'll go Chris Carson or Josh Jacobs. Full PBR. Uh, I'll go Carson. I'll go with Jacobs. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> All right, boys, that is the AFC West. Let me take a quick break, pay some bills. I'm going to kick you both off. Go ahead and get a get a water break, get a quick stretch in. We'll bring you back in about one minute here. I'm going to give a shout-out to my friends at the Jersey Jungle. Y'all know how we do this. Big ups to the Jersey Jungle. Make sure you hit them up on Instagram to get your authentic game-ready jerseys, not just football. They have baseball, basketball. Of course, we have the play-in tournament starting uh, tonight and and this weekend. We have the NBA playoffs. We have the NHL playoffs. Baseball is underway now. Football, of course, never seems to stop. So hit up the Jersey Jungle. DM them at the Jersey Jungle to order your jerseys. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys or 15% off of three jerseys. If you look behind me here, You can see my Justin Herbert jersey. This is from the Jersey Jungle. It is a stitch and twill jersey. It's beautiful. You can see the nameplate that's uh, printed on there. Uh, Excuse me, not printed. It's sewn on there. The numbers sewn on as well. They got the bolts up on the front. They got the NFL logo. Fits perfectly. Love the jersey there on that side. I have many more as well. So once again, hit up the Jersey Jungle to get your jerseys. Any sport, custom, home, away, at the Jersey Jungle on DM. Roy. Trenton will hit you up on Instagram. Take care of it. Use promo code TCK for 10 to 15% off of your three jerseys. And before we get back to the boys, I also want to give a shout out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, a new sponsor of the TCK pod. Promo code TCK for 10% off of your order. Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Banana-based hot sauce, not banana-flavored hot sauce. Seekthespice.com. 10% off with promo code TCK. You can put this on all of your draft snacks. You can put this on any of your other things. They have two flavors here. You can see the Mui Mui with the red is a little bit more spice. And the white here is uh, a little bit more uh, on the tame side, which I prefer. Lots of flavor here for students at the University of Michigan. Shouts out to the Wolverines. Started this up in their dorm room, made it a big time business, and they just had a featured article in Forbes magazine. That's right, folks. The Forbes magazine. Shouts out to our Bomb Banana family here. Excellent, excellent taste. Again, banana-based hot sauce, not banana flavored. Go to seekthespice.com for 10% off. Use the promo code TCK. Pod. We'll bring the boys back in here and we'll get into the AFC East. Once again, Chris and Alec, oh, Chris and Alex, excuse me, I'm so used to saying it. Chris and Eric, I apologize. Chris and Eric of the Commission Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out on all the avenues and they have their own podcast as well. I've been blessed to be on their uh, show a number of times. Always a pleasure. Gentlemen, let's jump in here to the AFC East. So you guys are, um, uh, proud Patriots fans. I do have a couple of Patriot questions at the end here, um, but I want to get into the the division as a whole. Uh, Bills, Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots. You guys decide how you want to do. If you want to bounce teams off one or the other, I'll let you flow. You do your thing. Once you're ready, I'll give you my feedback. Once you kick it off, pick a team, and let's get rolling here with the AFC East. 
<clears throat> Shall we start with Brian's team, Eric, the Dolphins? Let's do it. All right. So <clears throat> that's a little reference to our boy Brian, who is the host with RJ over on the Dynasty side with the Kamish team. Um, RJ will be with Sky in the subsequent episode, but uh, <clears throat> Brian is a well-known diehard Dolphins fan. So had to give him a little shout out here. So, all right, <clears throat> looking at the Dolphins, um, they obviously had several pretty big needs, um, but the biggest need in general was to get two weapons. And they went and did that, right? So they go and get Jalen Waddell, uh, reconnects with Tua. Um, it seemed like the whole NFL draft was a reconnection party. Uh, so in this case, Jalen Waddell is going to fit nicely with the Miami Dolphins. They're going to start to get some identity. They're going to be a compliment to Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. I like that offense right now. They feel kind of like a mid-draft draft team. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to draft any of these guys on the, you know, on the Dolphins in, you know, within my first three to four picks. But comes around like five and six and seven, a lot of these players, depending on dynasty or redraft, start to look pretty nice depending on the type of lead that you're in. So I think, Eric, you know, you mentioned Miles Gaskin. This is going to complement Miles Gaskin pretty greatly. You know, whether or not, you know, he lasts the entire season, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, defer that till, you know, till they, you know, pick up another running back. But in general, uh, I think the, the signing of Jalen Waddell first and foremost, was their biggest issue, and they go and get someone along with offseason pickups like Will Fuller. Yeah, so I'll I'll piggyback on that too. So Tua last year ranked 30th in the league in yards per attempt with 6.3. So he definitely wasn't stretching the field by any means, which is why I think they went out and they got speed certs like Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell. Now I think Jalen Waddle is better talent than probably anybody they have in their roster right now. And I saw – a lot of the debates this offseason were uh, Waddle or Devontae Smith. Obviously, Smith won the Heisman, but a lot of people did have uh, Jalen Waddle ranked higher. And now that Smith did end up going to Philly, I know a lot of people aren't believers in Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Waddle has been going uh, higher than Smith in pretty much every rookie draft that I've been in. I've seen Waddle go higher. So to Chris's point in redraft, uh, I do think Waddle can immediately carve out a role in that offense. I think he's better than Preston Williams. I think he's better than Devontae Parker. Uh, and he'll probably even challenge Will Fuller for that deep threat role. So I don't mind taking a flyer on uh, Jalen Waddle as you get to those, you know, sixth, seventh, or eighth round picks in, in redraft, maybe as your wide receiver three or four. I I like that. I like that. And, and Jalen Waddle is going to be interesting, man. We didn't – I mean, he was – totally overshadowed last year specifically by Devonta Smith at Alabama. Um, and Jalen Waddle wasn't able to play in the national well, He kind of played, but he hurt his foot. He tried to come in. It just wasn't going to work. And Devonta Smith at the same time was going over 200 yards in the first half, blowing him out of the water. So we'll see what happens. But look, Jalen Waddle is that deep threat guy. We'll see if he and Will Fuller can coexist. There's, there's some talk a little bit that, if they can put Jalen Waddle in the slot, which is what Tua prefers, their former teammates at Alabama, if Jalen Waddle can hit the slot, they put Devontae Parker out on the outside and Will Fuller on the outside to stretch. And if our boy Preston Williams can ever stay healthy, they do have a lot of weapons. And Jalen Waddle might be the first look if he's in the slot. And he's one of those guys like the Raiders didn't use Henry Ruggs properly last year. That's why he feels like a bum because they didn't use him properly. If they can get this guy a slant for five yards, breaks a tackle from a linebacker, and get to the open field, he could be you know, one of these you know, Juju Schuster's rookie year uh, where he can break some big plays here. So I think that's his best bet with Jalen Waddell. Hunter Long is a name that I think is kind of a, a sleeper a little bit. Again, Dynasty specifically, um, but coming out of Boston College, backing up Mike Kosicki, I think is a great move here. This dude has the biggest wingspan of anybody in the draft, which is just good for tight ends. Um, Kind of, you know, a, not a, a freak athlete by any means, but certainly a quality like a Mark Andrews style um, uh, tight end prospect in the third round. So they should be using him quickly. And the 49ers, um, excuse me, no, it's the Jets. I, I, I misspoke. I apologize. And then Jared Stokes um, coming out of uh, Cincinnati as well. Seventh round, he's a flyer, but. Um, Again, another deep – we just mentioned uh, Miles Gaskin. <laughs> this could be one of those guys that has a couple good practices, a couple good spring spring games, and all of a sudden he's number two, number three. Somebody gets hurt, and this kid could could work his way up the depth chart here. So the Dolphins are all systems go. And look, if, uh, if your Patriots don't come to work this year, the Dolphins could certainly uh, be right behind the Bills. 
they, they always seem to come right come ready to work with us. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Pat's always played pretty poorly against the Dolphins. Uh, we they always, do. Yeah, we always give us some good games against them. Um, but one thing I'll add here, just to wrap this up on the Dolphins, um, if you are a believer in Tua, I feel like you're. I feel like there's like no. I feel like there's no one like in between on the Tua conversation. You're either for Tua or you're just not feeling it at all. For what it's worth, the Dolphins in general were 13th in drives ending and scoring drives, uh, which to me is extremely positive based off of Eric's correlation on the fact that Tua himself just like wasn't really stretching the field at all. So the fact that they were, you know, above the fold in terms of scoring efficiencies with the weapons that they had last year, and they seem to be better this year picking up those pieces, I think that this does favor and lean towards a better team with Tua and these weapons. So could could ultimately uh, work out well for for Dynasty. Uh, sorry, now, um, redraft as well. Now I'll 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 push back on that really quick and um, wonder if that was. The Dolphins stat, or was that a Tua stat? Because let's not forget that Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm going to guess, was at least 50% of that, probably more. So if you're talking yeah. the, the offense in general, and it was Ryan Fitzpatrick who was, yes, he's careless with the ball. Yes, he throws picks and blah, blah, blah. But if we're able to get Tua, if we're able to get Tua, um, the same work and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was the one actually making a lot of those drives happen. And let's not forget. Okay. We don't talk kickers ever. I want to give a shout out to Jason Sanders who like he was far and away the best kicker in fantasy football for like the entire season last year. So when scoring drives, were those all 43 yard kicks or were those touchdowns by Tua or were they touchdowns by Fitzpatrick? So I'm not like a Tua hater per se, but I want to put that in perspective that that's not necessarily a Tua stat. That's yeah. the offense mm-hmm. general, which is good for Tua this year, but it may not be reflective of what Tua did last year. No, I, I agree with you, right? And I actually don't have that breakdown. So it's, it is a good point to make, and it's something worthwhile uh, for us to check into. Um, but I do I do think what it's representative of is that as a team in general, that they have weapons enough to break the top half of the NFL. When, when you look at them from a depth chart perspective, you're not like even last, like I wasn't quite impressed. Like I think Sky, you and I had a conversation about where are we going to rank Preston Williams and, and Devontae Parker. And we had them like wide receiver 30 and 31 or something like back to back. Like that's not what you would expect out of a team that is above the fold in scoring efficiency, regardless of who the quarterback is. So mm-hmm. I think I think the overall point here is, is that, you know, with a year under the belt, they, you know, they're obviously chips all in on Tua. They bring in some veteran pieces. They go and get Jalen Waddle, who Tua is familiar with. It's like these things should ultimately as, you know, again, if you're a Tua, if you're a Tua uh, uh, advocate, let's say this should, this should uh, make it more um, acceptable for you to go out and, and trust these, uh, these offseason moves. Cool. I again, man. I, I know you guys don't want to hear this as Patriot fans, but <clears throat> as somebody that's been following the NFL for shit almost thirty years, uh, the Dolphins have been good once or twice in my lifetime as a football fan. So I'd like to see them turn it around here, and and uh, they definitely um, have shines. And I think they're a young franchise, good coaching staff, great building blocks. And uh, you know, it's funny. You just said nobody's in between on Tua. I'm not a Tua hater. I'm also not a Tua believer, to be honest. So, like, you're that, you're that guy. <laughs> I, I think I just, I, I think he can do it. I saw him do it at Alabama. Um, I saw him do him in spurts. I also like haven't seen the like, okay, you know, like when Jameis Winston was was throwing for five thousand yards and thirty three touchdowns. I was kind of like, yeah, but like, is he that good? <laughs> and I don't know. I just I need to see it more from Tua, but I do like the Dolphins overall. Okay, man, let's move on to another team here from the AFC East. Who you got for us? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let's touch on the Bills here. Why don't we? Um, they didn't make a ton of uh, moves here in in terms of you know draft picks. They got you know they went out and got Marquez Stevenson out of Houston as a wide receiver, but they didn't really make too many other moves because really their biggest need was on the defense. They don't need line. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they really don't. They have weapons. They have their you know their franchise quarterback. Um, just, you know, depending on how you feel about their running backs, not their biggest need, but really their biggest need was defensive line and offensive line, which they go and address with their first four picks in the draft. So overall, um, you know, not much to talk about in terms of rookies, but I will say one guy that I'm looking uh, for a potential jump this year is Gabriel Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, 
Cole Beasley, these older receivers. I think Gabriel Davis makes a jump. He had 17, like low key had seven touchdowns last year. Um, he was actually seventh in yards per reception at 17.1 in the league. It's pretty good. It's very underrated. Um, I think he makes a pretty big step. He's six two. He's a pretty big body. So I actually see him playing that outside role to uh, opposite of Stefan Diggs, where Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley will play the inside slot roles. Um, you know, that'll kind of help Emmanuel Sanders from not getting hurt since he's a bit older. So, yeah, I think as far as, you know, again, not not a lot to talk about with rookies, but Gabriel Davis being a young player, I can see him being a nice stash in deeper leagues, especially for redraft um, in, in on an offense that will be scoring a lot of points this season. I love that. I totally agree. And, you know, Diggs is Diggs, but any of those other wide receivers in redraft, look, Beasley and Davis, as you mentioned, and, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, nobody's looking to draft those guys. And any one of them, all of them uh, could be fantasy relevant. You know, and and even though you don't want to think of it this way, you have to have a quality second flex wide receiver four or five. You know, um, one of the things Lucas preaches so much on this podcast is at the end of the day, you need fantasy points. And everybody wants the sexy, you know, random sleeper bench guy that's going to be, you know, putting up 25 points for you that nobody knew about. Like, of course, we all want that guy. But you know what else you need? You need somebody like Marvin Jones or Robert Woods yeah. who just is like not going to put up 25, but they're never going to put up less than 16 in PPR. Yeah. <laughs> like right. those Julian Edelman forever, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. he did have a couple explosive games if he ended up scoring a touchdown randomly, but it was usually just eight catches, 80 yards. That's 16 points. If he happens yep. to score, he blows up your team, right? So don't lose track of guys in great offenses with a great quarterback and are moving the ball constantly. You talked about the Dolphins and how proficient they were in scoring drives. I don't have the list in front of me, Chris. I'm sure the, the Bills were way up the list as well um, in drives ending in touchdowns, let alone mm-hmm. scoring. So Stephon Diggs is going to be you know, a top five wide receiver, Josh Allen arguably the number two uh quarterback if you know depending on your scoring settings yeah um i think you can make a case of him maybe as number one if you're playing uh four point passing touchdowns but those other guys let's not not lose lose focus and this defense got improved as well so man the dolphins or excuse me the bills could be running this division here for quite a while all right man you got two more teams who's the next one all right, so I'll just make a note to the audience here. We did lose Eric, unfortunately. He just texted me and said he had wi- Wi-Fi issues. So it'll be uh, Sky and I will be soldiering on. So, all right, we're going to leave the Patriots for last. So let me dive into the Jets here. And I'm I'm kind of a, you know bummed out that Eric can't be on this one because he actually had a great tweet the other day from the commish uh, Twitter handle. And he basically stated as a Pats fan, I am. He basically said, I'm like very sad to see the Jets having had a great draft. So their biggest need was to get rid of Adam Gase and they go out and they do that. They get Robert Sala and, and from there they have a phenomenal draft. They go out and get Zach Wilson to, you know, again, regardless of where you think Zach Wilson should have been drafted or who they, who he should have been drafted by. He's still a good quarterback. Um, and hopefully, you know, again, for Jets fans, he makes a pretty good impact and stays healthy because to be fair, they don't really have anybody besides Zach Wilson on that team in terms of the depth chart. But with that, they go out and get Vera Tucker out of USC. They go out and get wide receiver Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. And if you remember, uh, you know, there's some good track records with Ole Miss wide receivers in the NFL right now. And AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. So I think there's a lot of upside here uh, with Elijah Moore, uh, potentially opposite of Jamison Crowder. And they go out and get Michael Carter out of North Carolina, who I think a lot of people feel is like equivalent to a Javonta Williams, his counterpart at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But get you know, you get him whatever five or six rounds later, or whatever it is, right? In, in the fifth or sixth round. So, you know, then they go and sign Tubbin Coleman, Corey Davis. I mean, this team feels like the chargers last year, almost like, or, you know, kind of one of these up and coming teams really, this is going to, you know, it's going to hinge on whether or not Zach Wilson can step up and play in the NFL in a pretty, and what's becoming a very strong division. Um, and even in the AFC in general, you know, they have a pretty tough schedule. Uh, so yeah, this will come down to Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder and Corey Davis's fantasy futures are going to basically depend on whether or not he can get them the ball. I'm so excited to see what Robert Sala can do. And shout out to my boy, Mike Nicolini as well, who nobody knows yet, but he will be a coordinator someday in the league, uh, high school 
high school friend of mine, childhood friend of mine. Um, he is the get back coach. He's the dude that keeps Robert Sala on the sideline, but he got pulled over from San Francisco as well. Mike LaFleur as well, offensive coordinator there. So basically the, you know, the two main focuses for the 49ers organization calling plays at least are now with the jets. Um, really excited to see what they do there. And uh, look, I mean, Zach Wilson, man, he, he threw him into the fire. You know, this is a kid coming from BYU, drop him into New York City uh, by day and then New Jersey by night. I mean, we'll see what happens with, with Zach Wilson, but um, I wish him the best. Elijah Moore is the truth. Michael Carter is the truth. I totally agree with you. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, I love the shout out there, USC guard. Um, and then even, you know, deeper down the draft, they also picked up a couple of cornerbacks and safeties as well. So Robert Sala is getting his guys, and they know it's a project there. One thing about great staffs is they know that, like, it's going, the Jets have been the Jets our entire lives, right? Other than the two years on accident when Brady was hurt. Other than that, they've been bottom of the league, like bad. They know that it's going to take two to three to four years to turn this franchise around. The Patriots are going to be the Patriots as long as Bill's there, at least. The Bills are obviously running the division out, and the Dolphins are getting very good. But if the Jets can improve the way that this draft and this coaching staff can happen in the next three or four years, this could, you know, rival one of the best divisions in the league, which is hilarious because for the last 20 years, man, your your Patriots have been making a mockery of all of these teams yeah. for for 20 years. But look, I mean, the guard has changed, you know, and, yeah. and we'll see what happens here. So we'll see what happens with the Jets. But I really am excited to see what my boys um, LaFleur and uh Robert Sala can do and uh, Mike Nicolini as well so they're kind of my I, I've been calling the Browns my AFC Niners um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll give I'll give like a a 1b to the to the New York Jets maybe I'll I'll be a, a pseudo fan over there just to root on for those guys all right man well that um leaves uh the Patriots last but not least of course so uh go in on your on your pats here yes sir so okay so for the first time in uh 21 22 plus years the pats go and spend money so prior to the <laughs> and actual, a lot of it by far the most in the NFL they broke out the Brinks truck so right yep. before the draft they actually go and address pretty much all of their offensive needs for the most part and some of their defensive needs so the draft felt more like um, just kind of adding to the holes that they definitely have in this draft, right? So, or I should say on the team. So obviously with their number one pick, which we'll get, we'll talk about this a bit further. They go out and get Mac Jones. Uh, but then they start to address um, areas of the team that are not necessarily fantasy relevant or position players. So a lot of, on the defense, defensive tackles, defensive ends, um, you know, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma, Christian Bar- Barmore out of Alabama, a lot of Alabama guys, um, Always. You know, safeties, offensive tackles, they get linebackers. So they really, um, they start shoring up those areas that Bill loves uh, to, you know, pick at um they didn't surprisingly didn't trade back they didn't really make moves during the draft which is you know unlike bill but so far this offseason has been an unlike bill belichick type of scenario which is actually kind of good because you know in other words um you know it's like the uh, definite is it is it the definition of insanity when you keep doing the same things and you know you get the same results yeah, the same results yep exactly so in this case you know he realizes you know you don't have the luxury of you know, a Tom Brady to cover up holes. So he goes out and starts fixing some of these areas. So I'm super excited to see what this offense is going to do. Now it's whether or not, you know, who starts. I personally think it'll be Cam Newton, Jared Siddham's or uh, Jared Siddham, Jesus. Mac Jones already kind of already said that, you know, this is Cam's team. Uh, my guess is that, you know, with the signing of Brian Hoyer, it's going to be Jared Siddham will be, you know, he'll be cut likely during training camp. You're not going to have four quarterbacks on the team. Uh, but I will say this, look, the offense itself was lacking pretty significantly in a lot of different areas. They were for like the first time, I think in like, I don't know, 30 years, the team was top heavy in rushing attack, rushing offense in general, but then they were like 30th in passing attempts, 30th in yards uh, in the passing game. Not a lot of touchdowns over the air. Um, obviously they go out and grab John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. What's interesting about this is that, uh, you know, again, you think about Robert Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez and, um, you know, even some of their, you know, you know, Ben Watson, you know, back in the day, um, you know, some of these other tight ends that, you know, were pretty notable. They had 18 total catches from tight ends in, in 2020 last year total. So it's like you get that on a game and a half from John o. Smith and or Hunter Henry. It's like it's like all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna be able to run two tight end sets. You have Kendrick Bourne. I know that some people don't like Nelson Aguilar, but he is a veteran wide receiver. And I'm going to say this. Remember the name Gunnar Olszewski. 
Yeah, dude. Bill tends to like little white receivers, and that's what Gunnar Olszewski is, and that's just, you know, that's what he'll bring to the table. And then all of a sudden, you've got Damian Harris, who I think is going to be leading the backfield instead of Sony Michelle. So you have what looks to be a fairly solid offense, but funny enough, right now, the Patriots rank last in fantasy appeal. So, oh yeah. So I don't know. I really don't know how this is going to shake out. I think there's uncertainty in the QB position probably adds to that. Um, again, I've seen, I've seen stats where, you know, people expect Mac Jones to come out and play week one, or it's going to be Cam Newton and we'll see Mac Jones in 2022. So yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I just kind of, you know, brain dumped a lot of stuff on you. Um, yeah. yep. Go ahead. So, um, I just looked up Damian Harris, uh, his ADP right now is RB 32 in PPR. He's, a uh, early seventh round, basically around Ken, uh, Kenyon Drake, Najee Harris, Mike Davis, AJ Dillon, Leonard Fournette area. Um, I, this is going to be interesting. I mean, they've been a, a pain in the ass forever, right? It's like James White has James White role, and then four other dudes have the ability to be Jonas Gray or nobody on any given week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, other other than LeGarrette Blunt, who also had like a role years ago. Yeah. But Damian Harris could be that guy, another Alabama running back. You just mentioned, I mean, Saban and Bill Belichick are well-established to be streamlined, right? Like Bill likes Alabama players because they play pro style. Saban is a is a pro style coach. They're basically a professional football team. Um, it's like, it's like the college. Yeah, it's like the triple A system for the Patriots. It's it's a hundred percent the triple A system. That's a great, it's a great call. It's what it is. Bill likes that, and he's tried and true. They have, you know, over the last decade, that would be a great study or stat for yeah. you as a Patriots fan. Go through the last 10 years, 20 years, maybe of Bill Belichick's career, and maybe 10 since um Saban's been in Alabama, but last 10 years, how many Patriots have the or a uh, Alabama players of the Patriots drafted. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested, but look, I, I, the gunner, the gunner situation is interesting because, you know, I think what's what, where you hit the nail on the head with that is he may not be Julian Edelman this year, but he might be Julian Edelman in three years because yeah. he also started on um, special teams, teams just like which Julian remembers, nobody remembers Julian Edelman was on special teams while well, Wes Welker is still Wes Welker. Right. So, it's really, yep. really important that Bill Belichick takes uh, advantage of these players that like need to make the team, you mm. know. And then once they make the team, then he's like, okay, Gunner's a football player, and he happens to have wide receiver traits. Yep. Let's put him into this position. Exactly. That's how it's going to work for him. And if he can do that, he can do that. Wes Welker was not incredible out of Texas Tech. Julian Edelman was certainly not incredible coming out with seventh round. I believe. <laughs> yeah, quarterback. Exactly. Thank you. So. That'll be interesting there. Um, the tight ends, look, I mean, that's going to be really interesting. I'm going to check up their ADP while we're talking here. Um, yeah. That is going to be very interesting because I am not sure which one I believe that Bill will count on, and I'm not sure which of these, if either of them, I'm going to actually want. Right now, the ADP and PPR, tight end seven, Hunter Henry at the end of the seventh round. And wow. Um, tight end 14 in the end of the 11th round is John o. Smith. I got to be honest, bro. I would probably have him switched. I agree. Um, with you. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I love, I actually love Hunter Henry, but I mean, again, Bill likes to fuck with people. So I don't know, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but right now, John Smith's above Hunter Henry on the depth chart. So again, we haven't, you know, we haven't really started anything yet, but you know, these small things could matter as the season progresses. Um, and, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, well, and maybe, and, and I know, you know, I want to be careful with this. Gronk and Hernandez thing like that's just never going to happen again what they had for that single season was immaculate and the way they used him and and both those guys were just phenomenal for that one year um it's not impossible for two tight ends to produce I mean we saw Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz both be top eight or ten a few Mm -hmm. years ago right um but I think like Jonu Smith to me is kind of probably the Aaron Hernandez where he's like not as great of a blocker but extremely athletic and Hunter Henry is athletic, but Gronk athletic, but more of a, an inline blocker and maybe more reliable in the red zone or more veteran personality, whatever. If they can kind of like squish that into one, I think they're going to be just fine. So I agree um, with you. Yeah, I think I think also. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just I was just going to say it's going to be interesting to who people take, and 
this is kind of crazy, but if you were to like say you pass on the first five or six tight ends and you have Hunter Henry and you get him and let's just say like the eighth round and you're like, well, I got running backs, got wide receivers, maybe even I have a quarterback. I'm going to take Hunter Henry. We'll see what happens. If Jonu Smith just gets forgotten and in single tight end leagues, he's 14. He's not even getting drafted right now and there's a backup. You get him in like the 12th, 13th round and you get both Patriot tight ends. Yeah. It's going to be tough to start one of them, but if either one of those guys go down, I think there's serious, serious upside. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I actually do think though, to your point, like I can see a Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz scenario here. I mean, not saying that either of them are going to be top five tight ends, mm-hmm. but I can see both of them jumping in at like, you know, tight end nine, tight end ten. Like it's there, there's a reason why Bill decided to go get two of them. Not just because, like, you know, we've seen it work in the in New England, uh, you know, with Gronk and Hernandez, but that was with Tom Brady. It was a different type of offense. But the idea of the two tight end set is it makes a lot of it, basically it produces a lot of complications for the defense. They're going to have to defend the linebackers going to have to split up, defend two very athletic tight ends or and or block for the running game. And both of them are very good. They're big, big bodied tight ends. Uh, and then you have, you know, a bunch of, you know, effectively small receivers running all over the field, you know, in, in Gunnar Oshevsky and Kendrick Bourne, um, you know, and then you have some good, you know, athletic running backs in the backfield. This is going to be a pretty tough offense. I know, again, it's not appealing for fantasy purposes, but I definitely wouldn't sleep on them. And depending on the matchup of that week, uh, if, you know, if a team's not, you know, struggling against tight ends, guess who's going to exploit that? It's going to be Bill Belichick and all of a sudden Hunter Henry and John o. Smith feel like good options. So if you're watching on YouTube really quick, my luck have gone out. So I'm in my dungeon, but everything's fine. I think I'm still live <laughs> on the air, uh, but, <laughs> but my lights, my lights have gone out. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, Chris, I'm going to do a little bit more uh, him or him. That's what we'll call this game. All right. right? Yeah. I'm going to do it with both tight ends. We'll whip through this really quickly and we'll get out of here. Hunter Henry or Hunter Henry or Noah Fant. Uh, I'll take Hunter Henry right now. I mean, I, I like no, I like Noah Fant, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust Drew Luck. Logan Thomas. I'll take Logan Thomas. Evan Ingram. Ah, damn. I'll take Evan Ingram. Kyle Pitts. I'll, this is redraft. Redraft. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take Kyle Pitts. Dallas Goddard. I'll take Hunter Henry. Okay. Same names. Uh, with John Smith here, we'll go, um, John Smith or Logan Thomas. I'll take Logan Thomas. Yeah. John or Noah Fant. I'll take John Johnu Evan Ingram. <sighs> Evan Ingram. This guy's like so a gr- side. Let's throw I'll Gronk t- in there. Gronk yeah. or Johnu? <laughs> I'll take Gronk. Why not? There you go. Uh, yeah, Kyle yeah. Pitts. I'll take Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And Dallas Goddard. I'll take uh, I'll take Janu. Yeah, I'll take yeah. Janu. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling. I think I think it's going to be like a safe option is going to be Hunter Henry. Upside is going to be Janu Smith. And look, if if it's Cam Newton, honestly, like I know it's not sexy, but Cam Newton was dominant for the first three weeks of the season. Nobody's drafting him in redraft. You could pick him up in the fifteenth round. You could probably get Janu a, a, a round before that. And yep. uh, if you're waiting on late tight end, late quarterback the Patriots could get you through a few weeks at least to work the waiver wire in a single quarterback league. It'd be very interesting. Chris, man, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate you jumping in and uh, and getting in through our episode here of the Rookie Rundown for the AFC East and the AFC West. Unfortunately, we did lose Eric, but we'll get him back on as soon as possible. And, of course, Alex is always welcome as well. Before we get out of here, man, please uh, remind the TCK Potters we can find all your guys' content. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we obviously run a pod, the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, and then you can go, go check us out over at our website, www.thecommishbrand.com. Uh, and of course, all of our you know social media handles at the Commish FFP. Um, we have a bunch of subsidiary uh, you know social media uh, networks, the Dynasty content that we're producing, and you know we we'll always say go follow at Josh underscore FF. He's our uh, you know weekly contributor on the article writing side and really kind of fills in the gaps for the team. So um, yeah, we, we're, we're building up a nice little core here. So uh, yeah, definitely go check it out. You'll hear different voices on the podcast, Brian, RJ, myself, Eric, Alex, um, Desmond on the bets uh, side when we start actually, you know, developing and um, getting, uh, getting bets going again. So yeah, overall it's been, been fun uh, working with the team dude. And, and obviously being on you know part of the, the candlestick kids podcast as well. It's been great to, uh, to build these connections. 
Excellent, man. Well, you guys are always welcome. It's always a pleasure, and I look forward to doing it more often. For the TCK Potters out there, make sure to subscribe right here to the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment of who you believe will maybe uh, be the best rookie out of the two divisions that we talked about, AFC West and East. Make sure to leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to the podcast, and make sure to follow us on social media. Give us a like and a follow on those channels. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Sky Guasco. You can find Chris Benavides at his name on Twitter as well, and you can find the Commish brand on all networks at the Commish FFP. Of course, go check out their podcast as well. want to give a shout-out one more time to the Jersey Jungle. DM at the Jersey Jungle for authentic game-ready jerseys. Hit up my man Trenton on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle, and I want to give a shout-out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, banana-based hot sauce, not flavored, banana-based hot sauce. Chris, before we go, are you a spice guy? or less spice. I'm personally more flavor, less spice. How about you? I'm a little bit that way too. I am Portuguese. So the spice does hit once in a while. My fiance, on the other hand, she likes all of her food spicy, like to the point where, to the point where you're losing flavor. That's, that's to me where it's like a balance, right? Like, you know, when it starts to go a little too far, it's like, that's a little too much spice. Uh, and so I get uh, shamed for that. So how about I, that? I draw the line at when it, when, when the taste diminishes because of the heat and it's ruining yes. my meal that's yes. enough for me I don't, exactly. I don't need to sh- i don't need to struggle through a meal i want to exactly. enhance the meal i don't want to struggle through a meal i feel you man shout out bomb banana hot sauce go check it out seek the spice.com shouts out to the commission ffp love you boys 389 in the books for my man chris benavides and eric wherever he may be this evening i'm your host Guasco, and we are out of here Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.